0: Hello, welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, hosted by me, Jack Perks. Professionally, I'm a wildlife cameraman, but I dabble in podcasting. And each Tuesday, we release an episode as I have a chat with scientists, artists, filmmakers and passionate people all about nature in a lighthearted and certainly not serious way. Well, welcome to another installment of Jack Does Stuff. And this week I'm going bat detecting. I'm going full batty. And I'm joined by guest Michael Walker. Michael is the nature recovery manager for Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust. And he takes me out to Ploughman Wood, which is a Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust reserve. And we also go to Collet Country Park. First we go bat surveying, and we go looking for bats in bat boxes. Then we head out and actually go bat detecting. Bats are a subject that I know shamefully very little about. So it was really interesting kind of delving into this microcosm of British natural history and finding out a little bit about all the species that we've got, particularly the species that are closer to home. Michael unashamedly admitted that he is also a listener to the podcast, which I think is absolutely fantastic. I think it's great that someone is actually listening to some of the waffles and rants that I do. So thanks for listening, Michael. I've known Michael for years. He's a lovely bloke. And he's a very good photographer as well, actually, does some some cracking stuff. As a result of going out with Michael, it also gave me the kick up the bum to put two bat boxes at the side of my house. I bought them two and a half years ago when I first moved in and finally got round to it because I thought, right, I've got to do more for bats. Because I thought that you had to have bat boxes right at the top of your house. But apparently not. And we do talk a little bit more about bat boxes during this podcast as well. So thanks for giving me the kick to do that, Michael. What I thought I would do is something a little bit different today, which is just go through a couple of Batman references. What's reminded me is this because Michael is not Batman on Twitter, but we've got a few connections to the Cape Crusader in Nottinghamshire. So the first one, in The Dark Knight Rises, which is the third film in the Christopher Nolan trilogy, Woolerton Hall, which if you're from Nottingham, you'll all know Woolerton Hall, was used as Wayne Manor. So if you watch The Dark Knight Rises and you live in Nottingham, you'll see a very familiar Woolerton Hall in the background. And Woolerton have somewhat unashamedly marketed the hell out of that. And they do a lot of Batman stuff. And they even do bat detecting at Woolerton as well. But we've got a couple more darker connections to Batman. So many of you will know Batman's hometown, Gotham. But what you might not know is that it's actually inspired by a town in Nottinghamshire. Gotham, as we'd call it. Now, the creator of Batman was originally going to use New York City for Batman, but he didn't want to kind of get tied up in politics and real-world situations and thought it was better to create his own city. Most of Batman's villains are insane, so he wanted to find somewhere that had a connection to insanity. Now, when he was looking up towns and villages in the UK, Gotham, Gotham, came up. Now, this is a little village just outside of, of Clifton, where actually I grew up, so I know Gotham pretty well. And sometime, I think it was the 1700s, I might not get the exact dates on this, but the king wanted to put a road through Gotham. The locals did not want the road through Gotham. So when the inspector came to check out Gotham, all of the people in the village pretended to be mad because in those days, it was thought that you could catch madness. So when the king visor came back and told him, actually, it's full of mad people. We don't want to build a road through here. They got away with it. So from there on, Gotham had this, kind of uh, (laughs) reputation of being a bit mad. It's actually not, you know, it's a small village in Nottinghamshire, there's nothing wrong with it, a few nice pubs there. But that's where that came from. So that's where Gotham came from. It came from a little town in Nottinghamshire. The third connection is a little bit more darker and that is that we used to have a Nottingham Joker and this was a guy who would dress up as the Joker, not that long ago, only a few years ago. And you can Google more about this. I don't want to go into too much in depth because it's got nothing to do with bats particularly. But essentially this guy would dress up as the Joker go into Nottingham City Centre and sort of bother people. And it all ended up quite bad in the end because he ended up getting arrested because he dropped a bowling ball on someone's head. But Google it. Google Nottingham Joker. You'll find out a lot more about it. So we've got a lot of connections to Batman, but we also have got lots of bats. And that's what we're talking to Michael about. But before we do that, let's give BuyMeACoffee.com a plug and also read out some of the comments that people have left for that. So we've got one comment this week, which is from Gillia, and she's put interesting and informative podcast. I'm biased because I think that, but yeah, appreciate that, Gillia If you would like to donate to buymeacoffee.com, which is how we raise money for the podcast, we're also trying to raise 500 pounds to get a new microphone for this podcast. We are currently at 75% of that, so we're not far off. You can donate uh, whatever you can afford, There's a link in the description to the podcast where you can do that, and if you leave a message, I'll read it out in next week's podcast. If you can do that, that's greatly appreciated. On to today's episode. So I head out to Wood, go and meet up with Michael Walker, and we see if we can go and find some bats. Well, welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thanks for inviting me. So where are we today?
1: We're in a beautiful woodland uh, in the heart of Nottinghamshire called Ploughman Wood which is um, my second home really (laughs) I I spend a lot of time here walking around the wood looking at its wildlife, its history and particularly its bats It's one of those places I've known about
0: living in Nottinghamshire all my life but I've never had the excuse to visit so I'm quite glad that we've done this today and we can hear the leaves rustling on what is an extremely mild October day but I guess the bats probably quite like that, do they?
1: It'll certainly mean that they were active last night feeding, so I'm expecting a lot of movement between the boxes from when I was here only about three weeks ago.
0: And you work for Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust, don't you? So what's your role there in connection to bats?
1: Well, my role at the Wildlife Trust, I've worked there for just over 10 years. I'm the nature recovery manager there. My interest in bats predates that by about 20 years. (laughs) Bats have been a passion for, for getting on for 30 years now, but certainly over the last 25 years I've been... Really interested. I got my license 25 years ago to be more involved in bat conservation work. Um, this is a, a grey area between work and um, my hobbies. Most of the bat, bat work I do in this wood is, is, my, is in my own time, just because I'm interested in the bats and I love this woodland. <laughs> uh, why bats then? <laughs> why bats indeed? Well, I've always been fascinated by bats even before I was really interested in them. Like most sort of naturalists, I suppose, I started with birds and moved into butterflies and dragonflies. All and the dark side, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I sort of I got increasingly thinking... I've I was never. I've never been a twitcher. No. Nothing wrong with being a twitcher. I'm no. more interested in what what's local and the conservation of species that are local to me. And bats seem to be a way where I could also put something back into conservation because... Natural England run a, a number quite a few hundred across the country volunteer bat roost visitors that visit people's homes mainly that perhaps have just discovered that they've got bats, a little bit concerned about it. Um, so we act as people to reassure. Um, they may want to do work in a um, to their roof or something like that. And legally you can't do anything to a bat roost without seeking advice from, from Natural England or Whichever country I happen to live in, in Great Britain. Um, sort of obviously. similar to Great Crested Newts, I guess. Similar to Great Crested yeah. Newts. And to be able to be a volunteer bat roost visitor, I needed first to acquire a, a licence to disturb bats. Yeah. So everything I'm doing today with you in terms of checking these um, bat boxes, I'm using nothing more invasive than a torch. Yeah. It does disturb the bats. We, we will see the bats noticing us. Um, but that's all done under licence, so... If you see a bat box and you just happen to have a torch in your pocket, if you haven't got a licence, you shouldn't be doing it. And even if you have got a licence, they're probably somebody else's bat boxes who's monitoring them, so you shouldn't check those either. You don't want to disturb them. Yeah, Yeah. I'm very strict on how much I disturb these bats. Yeah, no, that's Um,
0: fair enough. That that makes sense. And you were saying earlier that this method obviously is a lot less intrusive than, say, mist netting or harp traps or other ways that you would traditionally catch bats and monitor them.
1: It is. All, all methods of studying bats is in some degree invasive. Yeah. And whilst a lot of the valuable information that we have learnt about bats has come from using these quite invasive methods, like radio tracking and things like that, it's all done to a very high level of skill. I'm not involved in it myself, but I've got no problems with it. It's, it most of the real questions about how bats use habitat that's fed into conservation has all come from those kind of projects my project here is more about how about using this wood and the other woods that are, that I monitor and I'm getting lots of good information just by this minimal invasive method well, you were showing me, and I bet you're itching to get it out again, some
0: graphs that you just happened to whop out your pocket. Which I did. I, I did. Which I absolutely loved. Loved that. Like like I asked Michael something earlier, and he just whopped out a graph, and I was like, oh, bloody hell. So, yeah. so, we were just talking about temperature, obviously, because it is such a mild October, kind of worryingly mild in some degrees, and how this affects bat movement and hibernation. And you've been doing this research, so what have you found through monitoring?
1: Um, well, the other way I've monitored bats in this wood is by using bat detectors, and particularly a static, static bat detectors. A static bat detector is, as the name suggests, is static. You strap it <laughs> to a tree or some other removable f- feature in a, a part of um, a wood where you're likely to get bats, ideally in an area where there's perhaps a bit of a clearing in front of it, so you're going to get bats gets passing. And, and I had that installed for 14 months, and every time I came to do my twice monthly bat box surveyor would check the batteries swap the memory cards and um just keep it going and i was quite staggered by how much movement of bats there was even in the depths of winter like january and right through through november to february really wow lots and lots of of bat movement more than i thought Mm. Um,
0: well you think i mean like i guess if you you don't know a lot you think oh they just go to bed in October and they get out of bed in in April and that's it but that's not what we're finding.
1: Well that's not what we knew anyway I mean bats do hibernate yeah there there is a not much food for them in 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 the winter Um, so they do need a strategy for surviving you're solely insectivorous and there aren't many insects around for you to catch then you've you've got a problem if you haven't got a solution and the bat's solution is to hibernate Uh, and we always knew that bats um, when they go into hibernation, they don't, as you've just said, go to sleep in late October <laughs> and wake um, I'm not wake a scientist, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> they have to get up and, and fly periodically to drink. Yeah. They're, a, they're a small animal, so therefore they've got a big surface area. They lose moisture very quickly. That's why bats generally hibernate in cool damp humid places it, it reduces it's like caves and tunnels and mines how, how do they just to go off on a tangent how do they drink they go they swoop, or and um, they can get moisture in lots of different ways if they're feeding they can get moisture from the what they're eating okay but no bats will 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 drink from pools they'll okay. they'll almost drink in flight I was watching the a, a Dorbenton's bat only a, um, a few weeks ago flying low over the water following it with torch beam and it actually put its mouth in the water you know, and that um, was probably to pick a pick an insect up. It'll get some water. But from normally that as well. they use their feet to 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 gather the insects. Bigger surface area. Use mm. the tail membrane and the feet. So this one was probably having a drink, oh, a bit yeah. like swallows do. Yes. Swallows yeah, yeah, like yeah. No, I get that. over. So I knew that bats would be around in the winter. And I've been out on mild days myself with a bat detector around the local park where I live, and found bats. But until I had this detector up, I it's no doubt it's not new. I'm sure the people have done this far. Sooner than I have, I'm not a big reader of scientific journals. It was really surprising, you know. So, I've got one of my graphs here. You know, the, <laughs>
0: here's one I made here's earlier. Here's one I made earlier in yeah. February.
1: There was bats pretty much 75% of the nights, and on the nights that were warmest, because I've correlated this with temperature, the nights which were warmest was having well up to 35 40 passes. So, a pass wow. is one bat passing the bat detector now that could be a very busy bat passing the detector 40 times which it probably was you know just one or two bats it's not there were 40 bats no so every survey methodology has its limitations we can only count bat passers on the bat detector not which bat made the call no 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 no. but, but it gives you an idea it gives an idea and i can tell that in in february i had barbastel soprano pipistrelle common pipistrelle a myotis species, so that could be a whisker, the brants, the Dorbentons, for instance, you can't really tell them apart with a good degree of certainty. You could have a stab at it, but I just record them all no. as myotis. Okay. And the same with Nyctalus species, particularly when they're flying within the woodland, could be a Noctial, could be a Lyslas. Although I do know I've got Lyslas in, in this wood now because I've recorded them singing. Oh, wow. Recorded yeah, a, you said that earlier. Yeah. Bats sing. That's bats incredible. Sing, yes, to attract um, male bats sing. From sort of mid to late summer through into the autumn, if we were out tonight we'd probably, it's going to be mild tonight, we'd probably hear a wow. few social calls and that'll be a male bat going, that's listen incredible. to me ladies, I'm wonderful. Yeah, yeah. that's how Come you do it. Come back to my roost. And the better the singer, the more females he'll yeah, attract.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's similar in Nottingham really, isn't it, if you go out in <laughs> the weekend. It's, it's similar. the market square. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've mentioned a few species. How, how many species do we have in the UK? Because I'm fascinated to hear all these names. and I'm woefully under-knowledged on bats. So how many have we got in the UK?
1: There's 18 species that we know to be resident. 18, wow. 17 of which breed. But we do get vagrants. More and more vagrants as they probably do climate, climate change. And yeah. you, know, you get the strong winds from the... Continent. Continent. You might bring a few to the to the south coast and the east coast, perhaps. Uh, further north you get in Britain, the fewer species. So if you want to see or hear all of the species, you really need to be pretty much in the south south of, coast South coast yeah. and you know, counties like Hampshire, Dorset, or so East 6. And the further north you get, you you drop a few species. Any northern specialists, or are they um, all... There are species that are probably, perhaps a little bit more frequent. Okay. In different latitudes, yeah. yeah. In Nottinghamshire, we've got 12. Okay. Um, go a little bit further north, you know, you perhaps get down to, I don't know the exact figures, but perhaps somewhere like Cumbria, perhaps, or might be eight or nine. Okay. And as you get further up. Some species become far more abundant. So we've got three species of pipistrelle. Uh, one fairly rare, although it seems to be increasing, the Nathusius pipistrelle, which we get in Nottinghamshire. Um, then the Common and Soprano Pipistrelle were only identified as t- two separate species in, I think it was 1999, so very recent. And the biggest Soprano Pipistrelle roosts, which can be way over a thousand bats, are generally north into Scotland. Oh, okay. We've got a couple of big roosts of getting on for up a hundred into the nearly into a thousand in Nottinghamshire, but there's far more north. Will they
0: will they roost mixed species? Will they or will they tend to stick to their species?
1: They, they, no, you'll get, particularly the bats that like to use roof spaces. You get a big old roof with lots of different compartments, and you might have three, four species in it, in the roof space, all using their own little niche.
0: All oh, right, so they're not necessarily all be huddled up together. You might have a corner with some soprano straws and you might have a corner for, with for, some them.
1: For, for um, when they're in their nursery roost, when they, yeah. they're, they're giving birth to young and looking after young. Hibernation, there will be a, perhaps a little bit more mixed okay. um, in hibernation sites. Um, we're a bit low on known hibernation sites in Nottinghamshire. We haven't got any of the the big classic hibernation no. site, sort of cave type. We're, yeah. we're not big on caves in Notts, are we? <laughs> we're a, sort of a flat. Yeah. But you, the further west you go, into the southwest, and you get into the caves, and you get more Derbyshire, the limestone caves, and you, you'll get far more um, Far more bats. Far more bats.
0: So, for people who might have bats in their gardens, are there any species that you're more likely to get, or does it just depend where you live in the country? Like, so, I mean, I guess for in Nottinghamshire, for example, what bats would we typically get in, in gardens?
1: The the one, the species that most people will, when they say, oh, we get we get a pair of bats flying around our garden every night. Yeah. Almost certainly, they will be pipistrelles. Okay. One of the one of the pipistrelles. One species, of the pipistrelle yeah, species. Yeah, common or soprano. Okay. The closer to water you live. You might, get you might get more sopr- more soprano than common okay. they seem to be more associated with, with water but could be either so they're the ones that most people are going to notice I, I live in the edge of the city but unfortunately I live quite close to a country park and only about 250 metres away from the river um, or a spur of the old spur of the river Trent I've had detectors up in my garden overnight and I've had noctules flying over and I've had myotis <laughs> species but I've not seen those. No. Occasionally, I see a, a nocturnal flyover, but most people wouldn't be looking in the sky for a big bat flying over. No,
0: I suppose occasionally I'll put my outside light on and I'll see a bat circling around. Yeah. In my go- no, it's probably a pipistrel. I couldn't tell you the exact. Pipistrelles
1: have got a real distinctive flight pattern, and the best description I, I had to describe the, um, the pipistrelle's flight pattern was by the person that trained me for my license all those years ago. Uh, a man called Derek Eames who ran the North Knots bat group and we used to have two bat groups in Nottinghamshire um, and he described pipistrelles as their flight pattern as a child let loose in a sweet shop <laughs> they sort of don't know where to go next they do they do change direction very quite erratic, yeah. erratic okay. fly where other species are a little bit more measured in their flight okay so if you've got a bonkers bat flying around your garden
0: it's probably a soprano
1: it's probably a common or soprano a common
0: all oh, I'll bear that in mind next time I see my bats going batty and if people want to encourage bats into their garden what's the best way to do that?
1: Encourage insects into your garden the number one thing you can, can do is, is build a pond which I'm sure you'd be all in favour I've of got six ponds, ponds in my garden yes, I know so. you've got lots of ponds <laughs> so ponds will bring in wildlife and you've only got to put a, a glass glass full of pond water to see the life in it in an established pond. and a lot of those are larval stages of insects that are going to be just the things that bats are going to be wanting to eat so anything a pond will bring wildlife in um, if you can have a bit of long grass in your in your in your garden if you've got space for a bit of a a small i've got a um, about an eight foot by five foot meadow in my garden and the amount of insects that come off that just a small yeah, area like yeah, that. Yeah, I've got
0: a meadow around my pond and in my yeah. front garden.
1: And then plant, use flowers that have a good scent and particularly release their scent at night. Things like honeysuckle is a, is a fantastic one. Uh, nicotiana, a tobacco plant, you know, which is oh. really easy to grow. Anything that brings moths in, anything that, if, if you see butterflies and moths flying around, flying around the plants that you've got, the flowers that you've got, they're going to be good for insects. My advice is to go to a garden centre when it's sunny in the summer. I always buy the plants that bees are on and okay. hoverflies are on. That's
0: a good, good tip.
1: Yeah. I'm not care, I don't care what they are, <laughs> but I buy them with bees yeah. and, and <laughs> hoverflies on them.
0: That's really interesting because I assumed you would say put bat boxes up, but that makes way more sense. Like the bats, they, they, they're going to come to your garden and see it as a resource, aren't they? Yeah. So if you've got that pond, if you've got that wildflower meadow with the things that they're going to eat... Of course, they're going to visit your garden. If you haven't got any of that and you've just got bat boxes, I guess they're less likely to come.
1: They're not likely to be foraging in your garden. No, okay. in the first place, to discover that you've got yeah bat boxes. You can put bat boxes up. You could put one up on the side of your house. Um They're not fussy. Like there's not like north, south, east, west, or anything. A- or? Avoid due south. Okay. Because you don't want they'll get probably a bit too hot. Okay. But most of the boxes that are, are in this wood, I've. I've
0: yeah, we can we see a few around we us we are stood in the woodland, you. yeah.
1: So uh, all the hibernation boxes that I've got in the wood are pointing north, so right. they don't get the sun on them for any time of the day. That makes sense. Um, but all the ones where I think bats might use as nursery nurseries are either southeast or southwest. In the wood, it probably doesn't make quite as much difference anyway because yeah. you've got a lot of shade from of where we're stood now. We've got quite a, a canopy above us, although a rapidly reducing leaf cover. Yeah, it is coming down, isn't it, the is, leaves? Um, so you can put those up one or two bat boxes could make a difference if a whole neighbourhood did it like a hedgehog street type thing could make a major difference yeah. most houses have some features on them that bats could use although increasingly modern housing is becoming more and more bat proof and you're, mm. not, you're not seeing the kind of features that bats used on, use on older houses so perhaps increasingly bat boxes will become more important would you have
0: to be careful? Because I know you mentioned about if you've got bats in your roof, would, I guess some people might be weary because they don't want to shoot themselves in the foot by having protected species and then not being able to do anything at the side of their house. So is that a, con, a concern, maybe? Or I suppose to some people it could be a concern. Yeah. It, 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 Presumably, if you're putting bat boxes up, you're not worried. Yeah, if you're putting bat boxes up to encourage bats, yeah, you're if not you get bats, it's worried. probably not much of a shock, is it? Yeah, no.
1: Um, and, and, and whilst bats have to be considered during any building work, um, most work that you would need to do say to repair your house or anything like that it can all be done yeah it's just the timings yes it, yeah, it yeah, just, yeah. It just it's just you wouldn't want to do work on a roof that's got a nursery roost of brown long-eared bats yeah. in june and july when there's um, non-flying dependent young in there that can't you know that, that would be it would be it would be disastrous to the roost but there's more times you can work on a bat roost than you can't. So it's not that so you it's can't just do planning. it. Yeah. It's just planning.
0: That makes sense. And if someone, because every now and again on, on Facebook or Twitter or something like that, I'll see that someone's found a bat in the day. Maybe it's clinging onto a wall or whatnot. What's the best procedure if someone finds a bat that they think might be in distress?
1: To go onto the Bat Conservation Trust website page, and I'm assuming, I'm pretty sure it'll be on page one. There'll be something that says, have you found a bat? And it'll give you a phone number. In fact, if you go to the Nottinghamshire Bat Group, Website, I know for a fact it's top right hand corner. The phone number that you need to ring, and that will get you to the National Bat Helpline, and they will then contact a local rescuer um, near you.
0: Yeah, I'll chug a link in the description to it so people can can find that out. Well, I think we've waffled enough. Shall we go and check some of these boxes and see if we can actually see a bat? Because I'm itching to see a bat.
1: (laughs) We'll try. Uh, There's two boxes on this tree, both slightly different types of boxes. Okay. That one has three banded snails in it.
0: <laughs> are we are we recording banded snails as well? I, I tend not please. Okay, fair enough.
1: I do get hornets in them occasionally. I always oh, record that's... when I've seen a hornet.
0: Yeah, that's probably... Um...
1: There's been definitely more hornets around this summer. Oh,
0: uh, all native hornets?
1: Yeah, the... yeah. The, um, yeah.
0: Have we got the, the non-native people? ones in knots?
1: A knot that I know no, of. No, good. Hopefully we won't.
0: Yeah, keep it that way. No, not in that
1: Nothing. one either. That's a more typical experience <laughs> when you go to a tree <laughs> with bat boxes, in not it? There's Bugger all. Nothing in
0: it. Great. We've got some more to check though, haven't we? We have. Yeah, we've cool. done... I'm addicted now. I'm, I'm, addicted I've got, to, I've got, got the bat shakes. have got another three sections to do. Great. Let's go have a look at some others. Okay, so we're approaching a box. So this is the cement-looking box, this isn't is it?
1: This is um, the sort of eco boxes. Okay. Oh, blimey. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, no, seven,
0: eight, really? nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Get out of here. People are going to think I'm, I'm acting again. Oh, fucking oh. <laughs> up! That is a.
1: Wow. There's loads of them. Look, all s- in that one, they? They're all scrunched up. What kind of bats are they then? Can you tell? Um, um, I can say it's with a reasonable degree of certainty, but can't be absolutely certain without having them in the hand. And that is a disadvantage of this kind of uh, monitoring, oh. is that these are Soprano Pipistrels. Wow. They're all one, in two, like three, a little one, four, five, six, kind of huddle, aren't they? Look at them. In fact, I'd probably go as far as to say that there's 13 in there. Wow, unlucky for some. Yes. That's really so cool. I'll take the torch off Ye- them now, that's disturbed them enough.
0: Yeah, so you were saying that you obviously don't want to keep the torch on too long because they'll kind of wriggle around. And that, they're, you're pretty confident that's all the same species?
1: Yeah, they'll all be the same species. It could, could be. Um, we're still in that time where bats will be mating. So that could be a highly successful singing male. Um, and, and A lucky man. And his harem, which is the, the term that it's used. Would he, would he uh, service them all? Like that would be his plan, yes. Uh, good lad.
0: That that's incredible. Plan. That's absolutely incredible to see them all in there. I don't think I've ever seen so many
1: bats. Well, I've never seen that many in that kind of box. Oh, really? That's the, so most, that's that's, you... that's the most bats I've seen in that type of box.
0: Oh, right. So that's not a common thing then.
1: I have had bats in this box before. Yeah. And I can I'm pretty sure there was some in there only three weeks ago and there were six. What wow. hell? On the sixth of October.
0: So he's either improved his singing and he's got some more ladies or yeah. someone else has moved in who's like the kind of yeah. bachelor of the woods.
1: Yeah. That's
0: awesome. So you <laughs> you're pointing a torch at the bat box and you're looking through binoculars to yeah. uh, get a better look. And yeah,
1: I think this is a Lyslers bat.
0: Oh, okay, so this is a different species. Yeah. So what what's making you think it's a Lyslers compared to the pips we've been seeing? Well,
1: I've got a good view of its face, head on. Okay. And I can see the tragus, which is the inner ear. The little protuberance in the inner, inner ear looks like a mushroom. Um, and I can also see that this one has got, as well as the sort of, Fairly pale brown fur. It's also got very dark fur. It's almost got a mane around oh, its neck, okay. which would fairly certain make that, that a male Lysler's bat. Ah. That's the first time I've recorded a Lysler's in this type of box. Oh, okay. So you, you are you are definitely a good look charm, Jack. Today. You're... Well, you know, I'm, I've just I've been called
0: other things in the past, so I'll take that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's nice to get a positive one. It is. It again, isn't it?
0: Yeah, you know, I only need a couple, <laughs> but oh wow, okay. I'm gonna. I haven't actually seen it yet. I'm gonna
1: get myself off here yeah if i can get
0: up yeah no problem that's half my trouble
1: but you hopefully you'll be able to see that it's (laughs) like you use the torch jack
0: (laughs) i'm going to take the headphones off so hopefully this will sound all right and oh yeah yeah oh yes it is it is and those ears are far more noticeable well is that typical to find them on their own
1: um this time of year would be, uh, yeah, I mean, if particularly if it's a male, as we were saying earlier, that was probably not a very good singer then, perhaps he hasn't attracted. <laughs> I have recorded Lysler singing in this wood many times yeah. on the static bat detector.
0: So My first was... Lysler's, I'll take that. We finished up at Ploughman's Wood and then, not too far away, we headed over to Collic Country Park to continue looking for bats as it started to get dark. Well hello, it's been a few days since I went out with Michael and we've met up again on a very spooky night, it's Halloween and we're going bat detecting, I thought with it being a podcast bat detecting is perfect for it, so it's getting dark now, I'm just waiting in a car park, I imagine this is what doggers feel like, I've never actually been dogging but I imagine waiting around in a car park and uh, meeting people you don't know that well is all par for the course. But, yeah, we'll see when Michael turns up. He's got all the gear. And, fingers crossed, we can pick up some bats.
1: We're going up to what I call Bat Alley. Bat Alley? Ever, ever since I first bought a bat detector, this is where I learnt how to use a bat detector. Right. And um, you'll see it's like a, an avenue of trees. Okay. Um, you know, we need to go over this way. Go over. And... Uh, there's normally always bats there.
0: And where are we today?
1: We're in Collet Country Park, which is just on the edge of the um, city of Nottingham.
0: I know it well. My stomping ground as a yeah, photographer started ground. here. In fact, it's...
1: actually, we're in Gedling Borough at the minute. We're just about to walk into the... Um, oh, I can feel it. I can, can feel, feel the. Ch- the city can smell on. the change. Smell the change. <laughs> the, this is the path of the old River Trent. So I always to, wondered this what used this to was. This used to be the River Trent. This used to be the loop. Colwick right. Loop was quite a... Yeah, a famous yeah. landmark until oh, they okay. straighten the river out after the it's 1947 just a bit. flood. It's, it's just
0: a sure. bit that's left over now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but it's, it still flows. There's still a flow oh, through oh, okay. it. Oh, okay. And it empties out into the Trent.
0: I, I should normally build up suspense for this, but we have actually already seen a bat.
1: We have. We've, <laughs> so, in um, the car park.
0: In the car park. It was a what, what did you say, soprano Pipistrelle. Pipistre, yeah. So we've seen a bat, which is good, because I was expecting to hear them, not see them. So... That was awesome, and it's appropriate night being Halloween, which was I didn't really think about it when uh,
1: no, we arranged it, no. but
0: <laughs> it's Halloween, so right, we'll make his way up to Bat Alley then.
1: This is Bat Alley. Oh, we're here now. We're here. We oh, see the tunnel of natural tunnel of trees on this ah, path. Ah,
0: okay. So you've got your bat detector out. Yeah. It looks like something out of nineteen sixties Doctor Who. That's
1: a bat. That's that was a. Ba- oh. This is a pronomatostrel. And you just know that without even... Well, I can see the frequency, okay. the maximum frequency okay. is 54 kilohertz. there. Okay. I can tell it's a pipistrar by the sound. It's,
0: oh, I can see him. He's right yeah, above, above this. It's sort of like a, a low, continuous farting, yes. if that makes sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it, sort of. Yeah, it's, it's put- I'm pro-
0: You've probably got a much more delicate way of putting it. That sounds to me like a few Brussels sprouts gone wrong. No, oh, that's a good you now, but it's right above us.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So what he's doing there is making very lots, lots of very steep turns and twists. Turns on its own wing length, practically. So um, when you
0: were saying, when we met the other day about Pipistrel's um, like a kid in a candy shop. Yeah. I see exactly what you mean. You see now
1: what I mean? Like, which way do I go next?
0: Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. I don't to get it's run over a little by a bike. <laughs> oh there's another bat. Another there's bat. Two now. There's two. So can you tell that there's two on the bat detector? Is that is that livened up?
1: Um You can hear that there's two. Oh that's awesome. Did you hear that every now and again you'll hear a fainter, more rapid buzz? that does sound a little bit more like a fart. Yeah. Or raspberry, as we would say. A raspberry. Say on a on a, on a, on a and more civilised more civilized more civilized, society, yeah. That, that's called a feeding buzz. So that, it's and caught something and it's making or it's a noise. it's just about to attempt to catch something. Right. So these bats, the normal call that you hear, that it's more of a slap sort of call. Yeah. It's calling about nine or ti- nine or ten times a second. Wow. When it gets to very close to its prey, it will speed up the rapidness of the calls. Yeah. And um, when it's just about to catch, it's, it's calling, it's about the equivalent to 200 times a second, but only for a very short period yeah, of time. that's incredible, isn't it? So you hear a very quick, rapid succession of calls that sounds like a raspberry. <sighs> that's a bit lower
0: now. Oh, that was a good raspberry there. That was really... Um, wow. I mean, I, this is all new to me. So then if, if a different species was here... It, it would sound completely different, would it? Or is it all pretty much of a muchness?
1: No, um, pipistrels are very, um, sound, all, the, all the pipistrel species sound very much the same. Yeah. Slight differences in um, uh, the repeat rate. Yeah. But it's the frequency, they have a maximum frequency. So if you were to look at these cores on a computer, they would look like a hockey stick. So a long right. handle with a head. And it's where the head of the hockey stick, where the frequency of the head is. Helps you to identify the species. So, okay. Soprano, about 55 kilohertz. Okay. Common, about 45 kilohertz. Methusias, about 37, 38 kilohertz. So, not much in it then? Not much in it, but enough no. in it.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not bothered by us at all. Oh, there's another one. Three of them turned up. Three now. So, because they're getting relatively close to us, aren't they?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah they'll, they'll, um, they'll certainly come down lower.
0: Because there's the whole kind of old wives' tale, isn't it? Like people used to get worried about bats flying into the hair, but that, that's largely nonsense, isn't it?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to worry about it.
0: Anyway, <laughs> it no, to be honest, I'm going to be a bit thin on top as well, Michael. So it's not so- more my beard, if anything. <laughs> they'd be they'd be roosting in that. They would be roosting in that. Wow. So what bats might we pick up tonight? We've had soprano's pipistrelle. What
1: else could we get? Uh, we could get a common pipistrelle. Um, we may get noctual, Okay. It's getting a little bit grim and a bit windier up there. Um, they fly quite high. They're Britain's certainly largest wingspan bat. They haven't got the, probably the bulk of the greater horseshoe bat, but which will probably compete with it for uh, the biggest bat. Okay, okay. Um, but they're very fast flying. They sort of behave a bit like a swift oh, right. they, in pursuit of pursuit of prey on na- long narrow wings. Dobentons, if we're lucky
0: nice do like um, doorbentons.
1: But this is one of the best sites in the county for for bats. Because
0: we're um, sort of walking on this path but it's edges the lake, we've got lots of woods around us so
1: it looks it's got, it's got a good bit of everything here. Yeah. It looks batty. It, well it, you're always <laughs> going to get more bats by water because yeah. obviously a lot of insects come off water. Yeah. We might get other myotis bats. So Dorbentons is a myotis bat. Okay. But we've got whiskered brants, Natteras, which are all here. Oh, what's that? That's another soprano. Soprano. Okay.
0: Oh, I see him. I've got him. Or her. <laughs> as it's getting darker, they kind of the, the lines are blurring. I'm struggling to uh, yeah. get on them as much. But
1: <laughs>
0: amazing. That's so good to see and they all we're talking off off mic then but they're easy enough to tell apart most of them or some of them not so much uh,
1: some of them you can be have a really good high degree of certainty to the point of being almost certain things like soprano pipestrel common pipestrel noctule if you can see it as well okay. i mean it could be confused with Lyslers, but if you get a really nice low frequency call it's a noctule the myotis family of bats um, so we get on the park here, we get whiskered brants, doorbantons, and natterers. All fa- all sound quite similar. They produce very very short calls, right. which sound just like little metallic clicks on this detector. There are clues that you can use, but it's difficult to be certain. Even when you look at, I mean, that was a social call. That
0: a social call. That was a social call. That so was it's a that common
1: that... pipistrelle social call.
0: Okay, so that's seen another common pipistrelle and he's saying hello.
1: Or it's a male common pipistrelle going hello ladies. Ah.
0: I'm wonderful. What a lad, yeah, yeah. good
1: on him. <laughs> what so that was its song.
0: Alright, oh, so we are I am well, gonna We're put, into song territory. So there. Michael did send some song clips over, which I'm gonna play at the end of this podcast just so you all get to hear singing bats, but we've got live singing, so you know, bat gig. What surprised me is I, I didn't assume that there would be a visual aspect, because I thought we'd just be standing in the dark listening. But actually, I can see the bats fairly. I mean, your eyes adjust quickly, don't they? And yeah. you can see the bats pr-
1: pretty well. Pretty well. I mean, you can at this time because. Oh, think cool. that's a nocturnal. A nocturnal? Ah. Not though. They're jackdaws. They're j- <laughs> I was going to say it's fucking big. If that's. A...
0: <laughs> yeah, that's different, isn't it? It's different. It's sort of like a.
1: That's up there somewhere.
0: So that'd be a lot higher up. Much wouldn't higher it? up. But just passing notic- over. noticeably different though, yeah. wasn't it?
1: Whereas I said that those pipistrels that we heard earlier on were calling about 9 or 10 times a second. Yeah. And noctural, probably 4 or 5 times a second. Right. But their call, has a, it's a you much can, longer duration yeah. call. I mean, they're, they're, their echolocation call has got to travel a long way um, and then a very faint echo come back. So it's got to be loud. Yeah. So that they're making a very loud and long call. In fact, they're the loudest bat. Are they really? They are calling. It's measured only a few centimetres from its mouth at about 120 decibels, which is over the legal limit for, for Rock City. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's pretty loud.
0: So if you've got one of those bats and put it right up against your ear...
1: Thankfully, it's, the frequency is a little bit above us, although oh, okay. the noctule okay. does come into the human hearing range. We can hear, well, uh-huh. with your perfect hearing... Okay. Um, you could probably hear up to about 20 kilohertz particularly when you're a very young child Yes, and as you get yeah, older you lose that you? you lose yeah. that yeah yeah that one the lowest of call normally is around about 15-16 kilohertz okay. and generally perhaps a little bit higher wow a common pipistrelle so we have our three species three species I'm,
0: yeah that's good okay, so I'll just sort it then it just there it is
1: as we're in this sort of you know The sun's gone down quite a while ago, but we've still got quite a bit of light. Yeah, um, it's not pitch black, it's not is pitch it? not pitch black yet. We can still see some of the bats will come out much later. So, a lot okay. of the myotis species, the dorbentons, tend to be a little bit later they coming wait. out. If we do see them, we'll be able to follow them with a torch over the lake. Okay, that would be exciting. Is that be-
0: they're just more cautious, you think, or, or their prey comes out later, or
1: a bit of both? I think. bit of both, yeah. yeah that Brown makes... long eared is. A bat that comes out very late and they are quite slow flyers okay. and are quite vulnerable to. I've not seen it. it myself, but a friend on this park has seen um, a brown longhead that came out a little bit too early end up as a meal for a kestrel. Really? So um, doesn't Yeah, it makes quite,
0: sense. Nice easy meal nice, for easy meal a bird, and bird and of prey.
1: Nice, nice little package of protein. Yeah.
0: Just thinking about how small a bat is, but then how small their prayers, if they're eating things like mosquitoes and stuff, have they got to eat quite a bit in a night, surely?
1: Uh, they will have to eat a lot, yeah because it's very energy expensive um, tearing around, flapping your wings, Yeah. calling um, I mean the oft quoted figure, I'm not sure who counted, but <laughs> is that a pipistrelle can eat 3,000 tiny little insects in an evening Wow um, I mean that's done by sort of weighing bats when they leave and weighing them when they come back and see what the difference is in calculating I suppose but it makes you more social cause so oh yeah yeah. soprano
0: so it makes you think I suppose not so much in the UK but particularly in countries where you've got like malaria from mosquitoes bats are taking a chunk out of that aren't they
1: oh yeah well even even you know here we get lots of out here, normally in this this time of the night in um in the summer, or on a really warm, humid night, you can get bit to pieces. <laughs> so I'm um very very grateful for the bats.
0: They're providing an important service.
1: An ecosystem service, I think yeah. we um, we now would call it.
0: And we're just looking over the lake here. As a plane, every fucking podcast a plane goes over. But uh, we're just looking over Colic Lake at the moment, and in the Vain hope we might get a door bentons. But as you were saying it's a it's a little bit late for them, is it? It's or? a little
1: bit late in the season now. Yeah. But they've got to be feeding somewhere, but when we with Dorbentons, Bentons bats, we, we don't know of many hibernation sites in Nottinghamshire. So we don't know where they go. Just don't find them in the winter. So
0: Are they migratory? Would they would they sod off somewhere else or, or they'll be
1: they'll be they'll be somewhere yeah. within you know, within the county. Yeah. You know, or or Suppose they could go into Leicestershire and the classic hibernation sites. We don't have caves. No, no, we have got mines and tunnels, but a lot of those are grilled off or blocked off. Yeah, not easy access. Probably good reason. We do find them. We've got a a few tunnels that we can get into where we we find um, natter's bats and brown long-eareds in the winter. Okay. We can hear a few distant bats
0: can pick them up from a fair way away
1: yeah yeah it depends on the species I mean the brown long-eared you've normally got to be within a few feet of it right but um, a noctule, you know you can be it could have been the other side of this lake and we would pick it up Wow. Especially that was the one that we heard earlier that was high up yeah you. the social calls will travel further as well because they're lower frequency
0: and I guess that's the point of a social call because yeah. they want other, bats to, other bats to hear it yeah
1: and there's lots of different types of social calls there could be, there could be. Some of them could be aggression calls to other bats. Some of them are the advertisement calls. You yeah, know, just basically saying, I'm wonderful, and you want my genes.
0: Bat Tinder. Yeah. So we've just moved around to the lake, and Michael has shined his torch, and we have got a very brief glimpse of a Benton's bat.
1: I'm just gonna change back detectors because okay. I'd like to just tune into that one automatically tunes and sometimes it's tuning into what you're not wanting to listen to.
0: It's um it doesn't know necessarily what you're after, does it, I guess? No,
1: it tunes into the strongest frequency and if this pipistrelles flying around, it'll constantly be going to the Right. So I'm gonna stick this at around about 40 kilohertz, which you'll hopefully. That's
0: sort of Dorbenton's territory, is it? Yeah,
1: well you'll pick them up at that and you'll You'll soften the blow of the pippa Okay. And it'll sound like a, a more shorter call, but a very regular rhythm. Okay. But probably 15, 16 calls a second, so okay. much more rapid.
0: Okay. And we were saying earlier they can sort of go on stealth mode, can't they, bats? Or some can. Some species can, yeah. But
1: if you're a Dorbenton's bat flying an inch above the water surface, you want your echolocation <laughs> call unless you want to end up in the um, in the drink. In the drink.
0: So, with that being an older. It's just one I can t- tune. To, I can tune it. I mean, so I can
1: that other one, but it's such, so laborious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, this one, I just so, this one's sort
0: of white noise until it picks up a bat, is yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Just heard a very faint call. It's then trying to find it in this very narrow torch beam. <laughs> it sounded quite distant, though.
0: Now, you at home are obviously just listening to the podcast, but me and Michael have got the pleasure of getting a lovely whiff of blue-green algae coming off uh, Colic Park Lake at the minute, which is... Um, it's opened up the lungs.
1: <laughs> I think you'll find this is the more refined or less refined or rotting blue-green algae. Oh, lovely. Wow, yeah, oh. It's a special scent.
0: you make a candle out of that, couldn't yeah. you?
1: It's much better than it was a few weeks ago, <laughs> I can tell you. It looked like you could walk across to oh, the really? Oh, really? It's horrible it. stuff, it isn't it? It's been a very bad year for it this year.
0: Well, we'll I've, look yeah, the hot weather is... Um,
1: we're doing no fish spotting here tonight.
0: No, no fish twitching. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed, really. Bats are making up for it, though.
1: We know they're here, because we've just seen them. Yeah, well, that's good. There you go. Very faint call.
0: Are they allowed a bat as well? If they're a fair way away, do they... No, uh, they're
1: not that Not that no, loud. so it's got to be close-ish then, I mean, hasn't occasionally it? Occasionally, you'll get them very, very very close really but this one sounded a little bit more it's a bit out there a bit like the it? distance we saw the other one at which is what 30 yards yeah 20, 30 yards. I mean it was inches.
0: when when we did see it, it was inches off the water like you yeah. say it was right right down there wasn't it
1: there's another plane flies over there we go that's closer where is it
0: I can hear it and as you say Dorbentons are the only bat that's plucking stuff off the water in the UK. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. So they're a kind of aqu-
1: aqu- aquatic, would you call them aquatic? They're kind well, of they, water they, specialists. They, they, yeah, this wet environment specialist. You'll yeah. find them in other habitats. Yeah. But they're specially designed for, for this. They've got enormous feet compared to other bats of a similar size. And those big feet are perfect for um. Or pulling insects off the surface of the water yeah. or just above the surface of the water, they use their two feet and the tail membrane as a, as a net, really,
0: a yeah. like a pelican's beak a or, like a, or yeah, lower yeah, lower mandible. A,
1: yeah, you've got that sort of membrane of yeah. skin. And they'll f- they'll feed on the wing. So, basically, as they they'll they'll call, catch something, and then they're going munch munch munch, and they're not calling at that point, but they're yeah. still travelling forwards, and then. Straight back into calling again.
0: <laughs> this is when one of us is going to end up in. Goes arse over tick covered in blue green algae. That's something, isn't it?
1: That was quite close, that one. Was it? Half the time you can be shining the torch a little bit too far out.
0: It's sort of going in waves, isn't it? It must be obviously.
1: They're not Normally as hard to find in the torch as this, though. Are they not? No. Oh.
0: So, I was the good look for charm for bats, but maybe...
1: Uh... No, you're just cursing. <laughs> you're making me absolutely inept <laughs> at using this torch. Yeah,
0: blame me. Blame me. I'm happy. Yeah.
1: Uh... I'll take it. But these are, are... you picking that up? They are definitely Dolbenton's bats. So
0: yeah. how is their call different to what we've heard it's, earlier in the it's... night?
1: It's a shorter call. Yeah. Um, so because it's shorter, it just sounds like a very metallic, harsh. Yeah. There's no tonal quality to it. No. It just sounds like a click. Okay. The pipistrelles we were hearing are about they have a call about six milliseconds long. And oh, there is. You do. There we go. Oh yeah, yeah. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got wow. It. There we go. Oh, what? there's two. Oh, there's, there's two. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's
0: two. Oh, fantastic. Wonderful.
1: Two more than I thought we were going to get when it started raining as we arrived. Oh, yeah.
0: The rain puts bats off, does it?
1: Um, It will a little bit, yeah. Yeah. It puts the insects off.
0: Makes sense.
1: Oh, that was fabulous. Two at the same time. Two at the same time.
0: What more do you want? Well, the heavens have just started to open, so I think we're going to take our good grace of seeing a couple of bentons and call that a night. But... That was awesome, Michael. I'm so glad I came out to see that.
1: Yeah, it's always good when you're out with the bats.
0: Definitely. That was Michael Walker. Fantastic times spent with him. Got to see those Dorbentons. Really vividly remember that. It was phenomenal. And all those uh, Soprano strip pipistrels kind of huddled together in those bat boxes it was fantastic. What a great bloke. I also want to say thank you to Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust because they shared... Last week's podcast, which was about beavers, and this week's, particularly as last week's had a lot of unsavoury language at the beginning. And I've always said that this podcast is for adults. It's not aimed at kids. Do occasionally swear. Most of them we don't, to be honest. The vast majority of these podcasts, we either don't swear or occasionally swear. But every now and again, some of it does kind of come through the cracks. And um, hats off to what Not's Wildlife Trust because they sweared it even when I said, um, see you next Tuesday. So that was quite, quite good of them. They did put a warning, so hopefully didn't traumatise too many kids with that. But yeah, appreciate that. So I was thinking that what I might do in next week's episode and the week after is talk about is talk about some of the podcast episodes I think you should listen to. And there's two ways of doing that. One is to go through five episodes that I personally like, So it might be that you've just discovered this podcast and you look back at the hundred plus episodes and you're like, Jesus, where do I start? So I'm going to go through five episodes that I think, if you've not listened to them yet, I would recommend them. I enjoyed doing those the most. They were the the kind of more interesting guests. I shouldn't really say that, should I? But things I think that people would enjoy. The other thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the top 10 most downloaded episodes. So e.g. the 10 episodes that that have been the most popular And I'll also reveal how many downloads we've got overall because it's getting pretty chunky now that I'm happy with. So next week I'll do one of those and the following week I'll do the other. So if you want to find out a little bit more about that, stay tuned for next week. If you want to follow the podcast, we are on Twitter at TitBearded. Well, for now, while there is a Twitter, before Twitter explodes, we are also on Facebook on the Bearded Tits podcast. So do chuck us a message, tag us into what you're up to be interesting to see that and if you've got any ideas for guests or topics that you want covered then do send them in you can also follow me on twitter at jack perks photo i'm on twitter at fish twitcher and i'm also on facebook jack perks wildlife media and youtube is also jack perks wildlife media If you can donate to buymeacoffee.com, it is a huge help. It's the only income I get from this podcast, so any support is greatly appreciated. There's a link to that in the description. Now, next week, I am joined by Alan Henshaw as we get back on topic with rivers. And we're going to Calverton Fish Farm, which isn't too far from where I live. As I go and meet up with him and we talk all about the Environment Agency's fish farm, what a fish farm is, why it's important to restock some of our rivers, and talk about some of the processes of growing on all of these fish. It's going to be a good episode. This has been the Bearded Tits podcast. I've been your host, Jack Perks, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Cheers.